You guys did a million dollars in a day. Can you run through the process that you guys set up for that event? So the million dollars in a day was, was like from stage at the event. But how did we get to that point? Why were we able to do that? We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now, let's hop into today's show. The Business Method. Listeners, welcome to the podcast today. I'm really excited to welcome an old friend, Stefan Georgi, uh, to the podcast. Stefan is a direct response copywriter who individually wrote over 50 direct response marketing pieces that have grossed a combined total of nearly $700 million. He's created a company that generated over $120 million in revenue for one single client in its first year, built a health and wellness company that's grossed over $23 million in a single year. He's a minority owner of a sports agency with players in the NFL and MLB, Major League Baseball. He's the inventor of the RM. BC method, which is a systematic approach to writing better and more consistent sales copy in less time. He's the co-founder of Copy Accelerator, which I've heard a lot about in the previous three months, uh, a high-end copy mastermind whose over 100 members generate over a billion dollars in sales. That's billion with a B. And Stefan and his partner, Justin, did over 1 million in a single day from a 900-person email list and a 1,000-member Facebook group using what we're going to talk about, emotional response marketing. And that Facebook group is called Justin and Stefan Talk Copy and is involved with a lot of talk in the entrepreneurial right now. Stefan, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. How was the intro? Is that on par? I always got to double check. Oh, it was it was great, but uh, it was a mouthful. I should probably just cut that down. And <laughs> I'm gonna give people like one sentence. That's like Stefan sells stuff. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Much easier. Copy guy. Right. I got a little tongue twister there with NFL, MLB, RMBC, and <laughs> <laughs> but cool, man. Well, so we uh, hung out in Barcelona in 2016. We um, were hanging out in one of my business accelerators way back when that we no longer do. And uh, I got to know you a little bit. I think you were in town for like three weeks or so, and then you went off to Croatia or Bulgaria or somewhere like that. Romania, yeah. Romania, yeah. And uh, and it's good to see you. Like We kind of lost contact for a bit, and it's good to catch up. And Actually, we're running some paid masterminds now, and one of the guys that is actually one of the top copywriters in those masterminds 
just started to to brag about this mastermind that he's a part of and who he's learning from and and I was like, well, who's you know who's the founders of the that mastermind community or that copywriting community? And he was like, oh, Stefan Georgi. And I was like, I know him. And so uh, it's kind of cool. And he was like, you should definitely interview him. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to reach out and see if we can get him on the show. So here you are. And, and now you're in San Diego, married with a family and uh, doing really good things in business. Not that you weren't before. You were also doing really awesome things as well. So so life good. Everything's good, man. Yeah, life is good. Um, very blessed and uh, just happy and Cannot complain at all, man, especially given the times we live in and what's going on with uh, COVID and just like all the uncertainty and, and kind of unrest in our society. And I feel very lucky and blessed to, to be uh, kind of where I am in life and to have my family and, and my health and, you know, very thankful for that. Very much, man. We're, we're very fortunate. Um, it seems like, you know, you're doing well for yourself with your supplement company back in 2016, but it seems like you kind of took things to the next level. And uh, from what I hear around the the people that we hang around with is that, you know, and I may be wrong with this, but I'm happy to, uh, I would love to learn um, that you experienced a shift in your life over the previous few years. And I'm curious, one, if that's true. And two, like, wh- what has changed for you over the past four years as an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a great question. So what was interesting, when we were together in Barcelona in the summer of 2016, I was really for that health supplement company just starting to have some significant sales volume and sales days, um, like for the first time. So it was kind of new to me and I was still figuring it out. I had done the previous year, like a million dollars in revenue, but I lost like 200,000 and had been, you know, just played by self doubt and wanting to quit and give up and all that. And then we sort of moved to an affiliate model and realized that that was a lot easier than trying to buy media like I was doing at the time, given that I didn't know anything about media buying. Uh, and, um, and then that sort of helped to take off. So, you know, I, I was starting to have success with that company in 2016, but honestly, uh, in the next year we had a lot of success. And then I replicated that with other health supplement companies as well. Uh, but the point being that there was a lot of learning that happened from that point on. So I did have experience. I'd already made mistakes and new stuff, but in the, you know, next year and then years after that to follow, I continue to kind of make mistakes, learn things, improve my business. Uh, And so just from purely like a sophistication standpoint of how to run a business, how to actually be profitable, really understanding that revenue is a vanity metric, which is something that we all hear, but yet people still, the first time it happens to you, I don't care who you are, the first time you gross a million dollars or $10 million or whatever that number is, like almost every single person still gets really excited about it and then sort of stops caring about profit for a period of time and then realizes, Oh crap, like I can't pay my bills. Like it doesn't, doesn't actually matter uh, how much revenue I'm bringing in. Right. If I'm losing money. Um, so there is that. And then I think that the bigger shift though was in 2018, I decided to do like a copy intensive where I kind of taught my methodology for writing copy. And I did an event at the win in Las Vegas. I think we had like 50 or 55 people showed up and it was a two-day event, and I just taught for like two days straight. And I, the event really went really well, but I just realized how much I enjoyed teaching, how much I enjoyed talking and sharing and being able to provide this kind of knowledge and, that I had a specialized skill set of writing copy and a system for it to people. Uh, and from that point on, I really started becoming more focused on 
teaching and training um, and really studying like kind of like my craft, but then how do I def diffuse that? How do I share that for others? And with the start of the mastermind in 2019, Copy Accelerator, uh, and then starting my email list at the end of that year and uh, just realizing that the more I give and teach and share the experiences I've had, uh, the more people I help and the better they do and that people's lives actually you know, really do change uh, in huge ways. And I, and I realized that that is way more exciting for me than money. Like I, I like making money, like for sure I'm a capitalist, but um, it's like, if I can get paid the intersection of like, um, you know, where you're like uh, passion and, and uh, profits kind of where that can intersect and, and it's just a great place to be. So it's been a shift as far as I guess where I'm focused in my life too. And, and now the focus is more on, on teaching, helping, coaching, mentoring and things. Whereas in 2016, I was still kind of trying to figure it all out for myself as well. Was there a point, Stevan, when and when something changed in you that you knew that you wanted to just give more and teach more? Did did you read it, reach a peak in your business at like 2018 before you started uh, doing the conferences that said, okay, now now I've done what I've set out to do and now I can teach the world about this? I think the biggest, where the real transition happened was really the start of the end of 2018, start of 2019 uh, with Copy Accelerator, where Justin Goff reached out to me and he told me what he was kind of thinking of doing, and, and I, which was basically to create a high-end mastermind to teach copywriting. And specifically, um, originally we thought about doing it for employees of companies. So the idea was, well, all these big companies hire copywriters, they don't know how to train them or they don't have enough time to train them. The copywriters sort of flounder around, do okay, every now and then once it succeeds, but lots don't. And then, uh, no, it doesn't, it's not a win for anybody. So what if we can, you know, go to these companies and train their copywriters, have them put their copywriters into a mastermind. And that was the original idea. Um, but we had a lot of freelancers who ended up signing up as well. And for me personally, I found that I enjoy working with the freelancers more, but it was really after the first couple of sessions of Copy Accelerator and teaching stuff, like teaching my method and um, just doing it regularly because we have like weekly Zoom calls where we're training or teaching on something and, and then just starting to see the feedback. You know, I definitely am moved by that. And I think as a lot of people are, right? Even if you're trying to sell something online, like it, until you have your first sale, um, it, it, your mindset, there's always a switch that happens. It doesn't mean it's perfect and you don't kind of still have your mental hangups and your demons to, you know, to exercise. But um, that first sale, right? That shift happens. And for me, I think starting to really see people having results um, and just, and then realizing, yeah, to your point though, like I, I can start, like I'm still, I'm partnered in some health supplement companies right now and they do like eight figures and it's like, cool. But like, I don't, I can, I have that knowledge now and, and I have partners and people running that stuff to where I can kind of be more like a consultant for it. Um, so like, that's great. And and creating multiple income streams is great. And we can talk about that. And, and I, I do that, but realizing that given that I had some financial success and, and more than most people have in a lifetime, let alone when they're in their early thirties, uh, realizing that I could, I had the power, I had the ability to almost do anything I wanted to do. And if I want to do, what do I want to do? It really is uh, that teaching, training, mentoring, uh, and helping people to then succeed. Cause I also just feel super lucky that I, you know, went on the path that I ended up on in my life too. Right. Very cool. I think Robert Kiyosaki went through a very similar thing. He says in his books when he started focusing on on teaching and training and sharing his knowledge, then 
you started becoming really, really successful at taking it to the next level. So there's something to that. But I always wonder, you know, where was the tipping point for a lot of people in that? Do they need to get to a point? Some people just like start out immediately and start their coaching business with, you know, no experience whatsoever. They're just trying to teach people how to live a good life, I guess. Um, but it's really interesting to see the dynamic for each person, like where that point is and when they decide to do that, because it seems like things change a lot for people when that happens. Yeah, 100%. So. And just one more note on that real quick too, Chris, is I think for me, I, d- I needed the confidence for it too. I had to really feel like I, because I, by the time I met you in Barcelona, I had written a bunch of copy for a publishing company these guys in Romania, which is why I went to Romania after um, Barcelona. And they went from, you know, zero to like over $100 million in sales in a single year and became at eight of the top, top 10 offers on ClickBank. And so you would think that that success would have been enough to make me feel confident, but I still honestly wasn't that confident because like, yeah, I wrote this copy, but they had the infrastructure. But then when I built the supplement business and kind of made all the mistakes and then, um, you know, then had success and then teaching others. It's like, I think for me, I did have to, it was once I realized that I did have a lot to share and that me sharing actually added value to the world. Like it wasn't me being like, um, it was like a vanity thing. Cause I think that's thing I had to wrestle with. It was like, if I'm putting myself out there more, am I doing this? Cause I want people to, you know, um, just adore me and tell me, Oh wow, you're so smart. You're great. You're sure. Right. Am I doing this for, for, for vanity and for like selfish reasons and for egotistical reasons? Or am I doing this because I really think that I can help people. And it took me a while to really feel comfortable that, and it was because of experience, but I got to that place where I felt like I really was doing it. If I did, it, it was me for the right reasons. And then that made the leap a lot easier. So that's why for me, uh, you know, I felt like having experience was really important before I started to teach. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think what, what people come to is a point where they have so much in them, so much knowledge that it, it's like overflowing and they just feel like they have to give it to the world. Whereas opposed to the vanity thing may be for the people just starting out or they just want, want to be the person on, on the stage sharing, right. uh, sharing whatever they're sharing with the world. So that's very cool, man. Okay. So we've got a lot like I want to touch on. Okay. So when you started, you said you did a 50 person event in 2018. Was that with your partner, Justin, or before you guys teamed up? That was before. 2018, right? Yeah. Um, and did you have a following all, already or did you, how did you get 50 people to an event? Yeah, I didn't have a following. It was just a, I had a reputation because having written all of that sales copy for the people and the Romanian company and then having my own health supplement company, I had met, uh, and then by, through masterminds, which is one of the most life-changing things I ever did was go to a mastermind for the first time, right? Speaking of masterminds, um, the first one I went to was Ed O'Keefe's mastermind. He did like a thing around his book, Time Collapsing. He did like an event. And I went to that right before going to Europe. And then from after Romania, I went to like a mastermind in France that Scott Roick and Chris Clark put on uh, in like a chateau for a weekend. And I was actually just talking to Jude Charles, who's doing like a documentary series with me right now about how uh, at that chateau, I then met all of these people who I've then done crazy amounts of business with. Um, so through stuff like that and then having successful offers and getting affiliates to promote it, I had a, a good network. So I didn't have a following, but I had a good network. And then it was, and people knew that I had, you know, had a lot of success with copy. And, and from there, I just put some posts on Facebook. I actually literally did like a, a raise your hand post saying like, you know, basically I want to share all of this stuff and I have this knowledge and 
you know, I'm probably going to stop writing copy soon, which ended up not being the case, but I was thinking it wasn't a, a BS scarcity thing. I kind of, at the time was feeling a little burned out on, on writing copy. Um, but I was like, but I got, I have so much to give. So, you know, if you're interested, let me know. And a bunch of people said they were, I messaged them and then people would tell their friends. And so, uh, yeah, we, it wasn't like, it was just like a Facebook post. And then I created a page that I linked them to and that was just about it. But yeah, we had about, like, I'm pretty sure it ended up being 55 people, uh, like Eve or on the dot that came. So it was, it was pretty big success, especially for, you know, not having a following. Nice. What'd you charge for that event? What uh, it was a weird escalating thing. So between 10 and $15,000 per ticket. Okay. Very cool. And then afterwards, did you do anything to harness the community after that first event? I didn't. And that was a huge, uh, kind of learning lesson mistake. Cause I, it was the event again, went great at the end of day two. Uh, all these people, they, they gave me like a standing ovation for like a minute and a half. And I like was wow. like crying. It was like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Cause I, it was like, I, I really poured it out there and I, I had to give them a huge binder for all this. I mean, I was really comprehensive and, and I knew it was going well. And I also really made it high end. Like I took everyone out to dinner both nights. The second night we went to Morimoto and I took everyone to, it was in Vegas, right. To, um, was it, Hakkasan and I got like two sky booths. Like I spent like, you know, like I made a bunch of money for it, but I, but I reinvested like close to a hundred thousand, actually maybe about a hundred thousand into it. Cause I didn't want to go cheap. I wanted to create this really premium experience. And at the end of that, it was, it occurred to me while everyone was clapping. I'm like, I could start a mastermind. I could do this. I could, there's so many things I could be doing now, right from it. But instead it was just like, Hey, thanks for coming by. And, um, <laughs> that was it. And then in hindsight, I was like, man, I, I probably, you know, may have missed an opportunity, but I also feel like things happen for a reason. Cause if I started that, what I've ended up, you know, kind of doing copy accelerator a year later and everything. So, um, you know, maybe it was, it was for the best that I didn't do that. So it was a profitable event. Yeah, it was definitely profitable. That's pretty great. Uh, a lot of people, they say that their first event is loses money. The second event breaks even and the third event, uh, is profitable, but, uh, that's pretty awesome that you, you did it. Um, yeah, and I, I've been to conferences too where that same thing happens. Like if there's listeners out there, if you guys are throwing a conference and you do a great job at the end of it, you don't have like a next thing for the people in the conference. You kind of leave them high and dry because I've been to conferences where there's no next thing and everybody at the end of, end of it just kind of looks around and you're like, okay, what's next? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> next year maybe, at least that, you know. <laughs> Um, so then how was, how long was it before your, your now partner, Justin reached out and, and you guys decided to, to create copy accelerator. So he reached out and it would have been, I guess the end of 2018 towards like winter, um, around either Thanksgiving or Christmas. I forget exactly when, uh, and it, what was kind of cool. Cause he, after that event, a nice thing from, from doing that event is that it started people who had been and who really enjoyed it were like started introducing me to other people. So I, I knew about Justin and he had ran these masterminds in San Diego the day before traffic and conversion. And I'd never been invited and I'd always gotten kind of bitter about it. Like, why am I not invited? Um, which is so stupid, right? Cause I could have just asked like, Hey man, can I come to this? Um, but I didn't know him at all. And I had that going back to the ego stuff. There was a total ego thing there. What kind of masterminds was he running? It was like just like a day, the day before traffic and conversion, just stuff about like biggest, like needle movers wins, like what, um, okay what's working right now. And it would just be like a room full of high level marketers kind of sharing their stuff. Um, and it was always a really, really cool, like room of super high level people. And, you know, uh, hence why I wanted to be in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so someone introduced me to Justin after that and other people too, like Craig Clemens, who's uh, the founder of 
Golden Hippo and Gundry MD and uh, Beverly Hills MD and City Beauty and all these companies and brands. Um, I never talked to Craig before. And then somebody was like, you should talk to Craig. So it kind of helped. And then, you know, Craig and I have done business together. He has people in my mastermind now, all of that. So I started getting more introductions, but I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But, but towards like the fall of 2018, I started thinking about how I really kind of wanted to do another event, how I sort of missed, um, you know, doing them. And uh, I was sort of like sitting there thinking about that. And then Justin happened to reach out uh, out of the blue about this idea he was having. And uh, it just seemed like a really good fit. So at that point we talked, I still thought it over cause I was like, that's a big commitment. I, you know, I wanted, I didn't really know him that well, but I ultimately decided that, you know, it would just, not only that, Justin had a better network than me for sure. Like I had a good network, but he had a, a, a wider network with more people in the space just from those masterminds and things. And it was like, at the worst case, if this fails, it exposes me to like a bunch of other people who like, don't know who I am. Cause he's going to like write emails about me and promote me and um, all that. And like in the best case, it goes really well. And it's going to be a, great venture and we're going to help a lot of people. So I decided that it was very asymmetrical, right? The downside was probably still me benefiting and the upside was creating an amazing mastermind. So that's kind of what pushed me over the edge. Plus I honestly didn't know what to do at that point. Cause I'm, I was writing a little bit of copy. Like I didn't really have a, I had an agency that I was doing, but I hated the agency. Um, I didn't really have any, any purpose or main thing. So it was the right time, you know, so going back to things happening for a reason, maybe, you know, that kind of helps too. Uh, what was the next step then, Stefan? Like what, what, so you, you come together, you decide to create this mastermind. Um, you reach out to your guys' following, send some emails or, or what'd you guys do? Yeah. So the first thing I did was I actually flew to Austin for a day just to meet with, uh, meet with Justin, flew out in the morning, met with him, flew back, uh, to Vegas the same day. So just went to Texas for a day. Cause I was like, you know, if we're going to do this venture, we need to meet face to face and, if we're aligned and everything. But once we decided we were, uh, yeah, we decided, you know, traffic and conversion was coming up in February of 2019. And so we decided, uh, to, uh, to kind of do a mastermind the day before, like he always does to leverage that. But then I would present as well. We would pitch it at the mastermind. We would pitch our copy accelerator mastermind at the single day mastermind. Uh, so we promoted that, uh, mastermind a bunch. Justin was emailing his list. I was putting stuff on Facebook. Um, and just from that alone and the fact that at events like traffic and conversion, everybody's looking for those kind of like secret, exclusive, like high level, you know, gatherings. And um, so that event we had maybe 70 people, 80 people. And it was like standing room only at the end with people who didn't have seats. And we had a great lineup of speakers. And uh, between that and over the course of the next few days for traffic and conversion, we, I think we ended up with like 45, 50 people enrolling in this mastermind um, just right after that. And then, and then in conjunction after that, Justin started hitting his email list a bunch. I shot some videos about Copy Accelerator that I put on Facebook. I didn't have an email list at the time. Uh, so by the time we launched, I think we were at maybe 60, 70 people uh, in the mastermind. Um, but really it was just from, a lot of it was from Justin's email list. And then, yeah, me just leveraging my network and from uh, posting on Facebook. Okay. And so what was the initial cost for the, for people to join the mastermind? So we super undercharge because right now it's 36. Well, as, as we record this, it's 36,000. Basically, if you do monthly payments or a flat amount of 30,000, but after starting basically, I don't know, either at our live event, we just had a meeting about this today, either at our live event or virtual event in September or maybe before we're actually going to up it to 45,000 um, or 
like monthly payments of thirty nine fifty. Uh, but when we launched, it was twelve thousand five hundred. <laughs> so okay. yeah, we like super super undercharged. You know, which is cool. But the nice thing is, like, it is it got a bunch of people to say yes really fast, and then we had that foundation, and then we quickly raised the price. And so, probably the average member is paying in the mid twenty thousands per year, honestly, at this point. Um, but there are some people grandfathered in who are still getting it for twelve thousand five hundred, and we're going to just honor that for as long as they want because you got to reward the early adapters too. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize that you guys were undercharging for, for the mastermind? Honestly, like at traffic and conversion, like as we were launching it, we were like, why did we decide to go this slow? But it was like too late to change it. Cause we had, you know, little printouts and stuff like that. So, um, like literally even there. And then, and then the response was so positive, which is great. But, uh, even as a copywriter, when you work with clients and I used to joke with my wife when we were both young, starting out copywriters and, and like, you quote a client something, especially when it's like a small amount, like a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars. I mean, it's all relative, but right. Um, but whatever you quote, and they're like, okay, sure. And you'd, we'd always be like, you know, crap, I should have said more. Um, and it was kind of that same feeling with the mastermind where everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay. We're like, oh, shoot, maybe we should have had a bit of a higher, you know, price here. Um, we're not getting any resistance at all. That's actually not necessarily a good sign. Right. And so, what was the next tier? How much did you go up to? Uh, we went from 12, I think it was 12 to 18 to 24 to uh, now like you know 36 or whatever it is i think maybe went from 18 to 27 so it's gone up a bunch of times but even that works because like at every the two live events we've done which is where we've really pitched the mastermind to people uh you know we can point to it and be like look like the price is going to go up and like it's gone up every time even we did that in february at our last live event when it was 30,000 or 2950 a month and at the next event, it's going to be 45,000 or 39.50 a month. Plus now there's a waiting list too. So we actually, people can't join the full mastermind. We have a light version that you can join and then get on a waiting list for it. Um, but you know, it kind of helped us from a, from a scarcity perspective and, and, you know, selling, but it was very authentic because we, you know, kept every time we raised the price, people have just kept wanting to, to join because of the value we're delivering. So, yeah. So, so what would you say the average member, Stefan, like the ROI they're getting? Because, you know, people want to, to join to either help their teams learn copy or themselves if they're freelancers or solopreneurs learn copy. So what's the average ROI you've seen? Yeah, I'd say for the freelancers, it's probably three to four X their monthly income. Uh, it's pretty regular. Uh, we have guys like, you know, I mean, not not every single person does that, but I'm thinking like Michael Roshin, who was making 5,000 a month before, and now he's making like 12 to 15,000. So he's at two to three X. Um, Troy Erickson was making, he never made more than $6,000 in a month. And he did after the event in February, the next month he did 20,000, then he did 31,000, then he did 25,000. Uh, Randall Pruitt's making 50,000 plus. I'm only saying their names because I'm thinking about them, but um, it's pretty absurd uh, with the freelancers. I mean, it's a huge difference, right? Because once they get better at copy and because these are all guys who are freelance copywriters, right? So when suddenly their their copy is better and it's converting better and it's getting their clients wins and they're, um, know, they know what they're doing, they're writing faster, all these things are happening. It just helps with your career tremendously because now like when you, the easiest way to, get more to get hired more is to just win for your clients. So when your clients are winning, they come back and hire you again and they refer you to people. So just like that alone, it, it, the reason 
it's not like we teach them all these crazy ninja tactics for charging more. It's just that their copy gets better and then they're able to charge more. Um, and then on the business owner side, that, you know, that, that one's, it's tough because we have businesses of, of all sizes. We have people doing a few million, you know, a year and we have companies doing 400 million a year. Um, and so, but, you know, I just, we definitely have had companies have doubled their revenue. Some of them maybe increased it by 25 to 50%. Uh, some people have tripled it through a smaller business. Um, so it's still all over the place, but at the end of the day, I mean, the cool thing about our mastermind is like, we like really get people results and like very tangible results, you know, where it's like you look and you've so much, so much stuff. You sell something online and we can help you. If we help you increase your average order value by $40 and you're doing a couple hundred sales a day, right. Over the course of a year, that's a crazy amount of money and that's profit. And, we're able to help people do stuff like that. So, um, not, I mean, some people don't use anything we teach and then they just drop out too. Right. So it's not like every single person gets a magical result, but a lot of people get good results from it. And, and people aren't coming like with no, no copy experience. They're coming in and they've, they've done some copy before. Like you can't, it's, you're not accepting people that are just like, Oh, I want to be a copywriter and then pay you guys. Has that happened before? I mean, typically, no. The methodology that I teach, like my RMBC method, which is sort of a framework for the mastermind, uh, it really is something that anyone can follow and, and get good at copy pretty fast. We have had companies put their employees in where their employees were maybe an affiliate manager, but they want them to become a copywriter uh, or you know something like that. And then those people really know very little about copy and they do get good pretty fast. If somebody was like, I just want to get good at copy. And I would probably, A, I'd want them to probably go into like the light program because it's like less of a financial commitment. Um, and then I think they would benefit from it, but I would only tell them to do that if they just have a bunch of money sitting around. You know what I mean? I don't want somebody who like, if you, if you don't savings. know anything about copy. Yeah. I mean, unless you, yeah, if you, their life savings and they don't know anything about copy, like, right. Cause then it's like, that's just too much of a burden on me. And it's like, take time, right? Like you, you can, I want you to aspire to be in my mastermind, but right now I want you to just study, like read, like utilize free resources, practice, do all that kind of stuff, get familiar and comfortable, you know, work on getting some clients. And then once you're at that point, like then it's a good time to come and talk to us. Uh, but you know, it's not, I don't, we're not like a training program for how to write copy for the first time. Makes sense. And you mentioned the RMBC method. What is that exactly, Stefan? Yeah. So, it stands for research mechanism, brief and copy. It's basically a four step process for writing really high quality sales copy uh, predictably and in a lot like less time than what most people spend writing copy. Um, it came about back in 20, I guess 14, I was writing for those guys in Romania and they wanted me to write like 12 sales letters a month because they were doing this blockbuster model where they essentially wanted to put out a ton of offers on a ClickBank and they figured that a percentage of them would do well and a percentage of them would do okay. And a percentage of them would just totally bomb, but they were like, that's fine. That that's the model they wanted. Uh, but we're talking about like 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 word long sales letters. And with doing that, I realized I had to create like a predictable process or, or, or really a, um, like a mechanic, almost like an assembly line, right? I had to do like a process where I could go in and write copy and, really distill everything I was doing that was working into like a, a framework that I could then repeat so that I could like really cut down on the time it took me to write good sales copy. So uh, when I did that, I kind of looked at, okay, like what's the first thing I do? And it's always research. What kind of research? Well, not just stuff like 50 plus 
conservatives who are worried about having high blood sugar, right? It's like looking at their victories, their failures, their fears, what their beliefs are, what they think has held them back in life. Um, like we're really trying to build like almost like that avatar and really personify who we're speaking to. Uh, so going on forums, reading reviews on Amazon, what products have they used in the past like that were similar, right? Like what do they like about uh, those products? What do they dislike? What is their experience? Do they believe that there's kind of covered up solutions? Do they believe that, you know, ancient wisdom is better if you look at uh, like paleo or something like that? Uh, and kind of really getting inside their head on a deep level. And that was the first thing I would do, which is, which is research. And I can keep going, but if you have any questions on research before I move on to mechanism, I'm, I'm happy to, to wrap on that too. I don't, I don't know. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's research. And then for mechanism, really the way we look at that is there's two parts to this. There's the unique mechanism behind the problem and the unique mechanism behind the solution. And the reason that this is important, and this is to me like wildly important, both research and the mechanism are wildly important regardless of if you're writing a long sales letter or your e-com page and you're doing two minute like videos or like 30 second Facebook ads or whatever it is. Uh, the idea being the unique mechanism of the problem is showing them the real reason them being the prospect, the real reason why they haven't gotten the result that they've wanted so far or why they're struggling still to get a desired outcome. Cause by the time a prospect comes to us, it's very, very, very unlikely that whatever we're offering them is like the first solution they've ever seen or considered trying, right? If somebody, goes to um wants to lose weight and you sell like some diet pills and it's like you know it's very unlikely that they're like in their 40s and they've never tried to lose weight before it's like they probably tried uh, countless things and they've failed every time they've lost weight but then it came back and they yo-yo and maybe they lost it for five years and then after childbirth they you know hormones shifted whatever it is um so if we just try and sell them some generic solution where it's like restrict calories or keto whatever it might be, um, they're like, yeah, I already tried that. That didn't work for me. So we want to really explain, first of all, why are they really having that problem? Why haven't those solutions worked? And that's what the unique mechanism of the problem is all about. So uh, continuing off the weight loss example, maybe it's something like you find this, all this research saying that there's a hormone in our liver that a bunch of scientists now realize controls our metabolism and that when you have a lot of this hormone, your metabolism goes really fast. And when you don't, then your metabolism goes slow. And they find that as we get older, we have less and less of that hormone naturally, right? I'm just making that up an example. Like that's just an example, not scientific fact. Nobody go look it up and then whatever. Um, but right, but if you find that and it was really true and you have all this research supporting it and you come to them and you're like, hey, the real reason you struggle to lose weight isn't because you're lazy or you suck or you, know, you can't stay on a diet, it's because there's actually this hormone that controls your metabolism and it's inside your liver, but you are probably not don't have that much of it as you've gotten older and that's making it harder and harder for you to keep weight off. And if you do that, then they're more receptive, right? It's like, okay, like, well, that's interesting. Again, they have to really believe it. We have to convince them, show them facts and, and back up our argument. But then, then it's like, well, okay, like, I, I never thought about that. I've never heard that before. And they become much more open to the solution. And that brings us to like the mechanism of the solution, which is usually really logically connected to where if you're like, if, if the hormone in your liver and having low levels of it is what's causing you to have a slow metabolism, then the solution may be as simple as you need to have your body produce more of that hormone. Because if you do, your metabolism will speed up and you'll be able to burn fat faster. And ideally, this should, of course, connect to our product. So if you're selling a guide about how to eat certain foods that increase this hormone, or it's a supplement or whatever it is, um, 
you know, but now like they're much more receptive to our product and the solution that we're selling them. Um, but this works for everything. I have a friend who does lead gen stuff and essentially the mechanism that we did for him was that, and he works for like, uh, like roofers and plumbers and home contractors just doing lead gen and helping them to get leads. And his whole thing was that we worked on together as a, uh, consulting with him on it. But it's just basically a lot of them believe that they have a problem of leads. And the whole thing was like, you don't have a lead problem. You have like a quality problem. And it was as simple as that. It was like, you, you know, you can get leads all day. You can go on home advisor, Angie's list, whatever it is. The problem is those leads that you're getting are just resold and they're like a lot of tire kickers and they're not um, like filtered at all. And so by the time that you get them, you waste all this time on these leads and you're kind of, you're vetting them or someone in your office is vetting them. You're going and doing home visits. You're doing all this stuff that don't lead to, to conversions and sales. And that's what's killing your business, sucking up all of your time and making it so that you live in your truck and you know leave the house before the sun rises and come don't come home until after the sun is set. And so what you need, the solution is a, what he called an automated marketing filtration method, AMFM, which basically is generating leads, but then putting them through automated sequences of SMS, um, like other kinds of like AI oriented stuff to then really uh, vet and filter the leads so that by the time they get to the owner, uh, there are people who are actually very interested in moving forward and pulling the trigger. So the, the thing being like, again, you don't have a lead problem. It's the quality of your lead. We filter the leads out for you. So instead of just buying leads, because everyone's trying to sell these people like leads, right? Like, so how are we different? Well, we filter them out for you and then give you like these ready to buy leads on a silver platter and it's up to you to close them. Um, so that's just, I wanted to, because I use the weight loss example and I've, you know, I've done lots of health copy, but I really want to emphasize that you can do this for pretty much anything, air filters, anything that has a unique, you know, there's anything, because no matter what you're selling, you should have a unique reason, right? That you should be able to, to show why you're different. If you're, you know, for a real estate agent, like it's not to keep rambling about this, but I just think it's super important. You know, I, I, it's something that you can just do for any vertical or niche. So that's the mechanism. Makes sense. Okay. And then B and C? Yeah. So B stands for brief. Essentially, it's just a questionnaire that you're answering yourself, you yourself are answering before you begin to write your sales copy. The reason that came about is because I realized even with the research and the mechanism, uh, there were still questions that I need to answer before I started to write or I would get stuck in the middle of writing. So for example, if you're writing sales copy, whether it's you know, an e-com page or a long form page or anything in between, Anytime you're talking about the product, you've got to describe the product and sell people the product, right? So, but a lot of times we start writing and like, what's the product? And well, it's lead gen service or, um, well, you know, it's a diet pill that helps people lose weight or whatever. And you're like, is that what you're going to actually put in your copy? Like, no, you're going to, you're going to have to do that anyway. So like, why don't we just do it before we even start writing our sales letter? That way we can write it out like in copy format, but it's very manageable. You're just like writing, you know, a couple hundred words about the product on this brief thing. But then when you go to actually write your sales copy, now you have it, you feel confident and comfortable and you don't get stuck there. Uh, same thing with like a background story, story of discovery, right? Most good copy uh, has like an origin story, whether it's the spokesperson was struggling or shared the same problem that the market now, that their prospect now faces. And then they went on this journey and uncovered the real solution, the real, you know, the mechanism and all that stuff. Um, and so might as well write that out before we even start writing copy. What is the story? Like what happened? So as we do that kind of stuff, and then also in the brief, it's, it's, um, you know, what are the, what are the market's biggest pain points, short-term and long-term? What's the big promise we're making about the copy? Um, what are the solutions that they tried? Like, what do they like about them? What do they not like? 
So it's kind of a, some of it we can take from the research and the mechanism, and then some of it we're writing from a new from there. But we're writing it all out in copy format so that by the time we get to C, which is copy in RMBC, now like there's a kind of an outline we're going to follow. But we've already done a ton of the work. Because if you look at the, the outline for most good copy, whether it's a long form sales letter, but even like a short three or four minute video, it's kind of the same thing every time, right? There's the lead or the intro, which is where you're kind of calling out the prospects pain points, you're promising a solution, you're teasing a unique mechanism, you're teasing a discovery story, uh, you're putting in some kind of curiosity stuff that's gonna get them interested and have them wanna keep reading or watching. Uh, you're putting a little credibility and you're addressing skepticism. And like, that's like your lead for pretty much everything. But okay, well, cool, through the research and what you did in the brief, it's like, well, you've talked about the pain points, you've talked about what the promise is, um, you know what your mechanism is, so you can tease that, you've done the background story. So all of the elements you need to do in the lead, and I have like a 55 point outline for the lead, but, um, but all of the elements that are gonna go into, or, sorry, the, the 55 points for the whole sales letter or whole piece of sales copy, but you kind of did all the work. So the lead's actually pretty easy to write. And then what comes after the lead? Well, it's the background story and the story of discovery. Like me or someone like me was just like you, we were in pain, here's the emotional story, right? So. And like how they were in pain, they tried other solutions, solutions weren't working, it reached a breaking point, they realized that they had to go on a quest to find a better way. Okay, cool. Well, you wrote that in your brief, so that's already pretty much done. Um, what comes out? Well, they're trying to find a better way. What happened? Well, they found the unique mechanism of the problem and then unique mechanism of the solution. So great, I wrote the mechanism stuff already, then I rewrote it in the brief. That part's pretty much done. After that, they have the solution or on a broad level, but you know, why can't they just go to Amazon and buy a solution on Amazon? Or why can't they just, you know, go eat more carrots or whatever it is, right? And it's like, well, it turns out that most out of the box methods are flawed, they have issues. And so I realized, or the company realized, whoever the story we're telling, that person realizes they have to do it themselves, or they have to find experts and, and help, you know, have help creating it. Um, but that's like the same kind of thing every time. It's sort of this idea of, uh, you present the the broad idea, like the mechanism, but then how do we get to the product? Well, they had to kind of refine it. And there's like that section. And then we just get to like the close and the close is like where we introduce the product right after struggle and toil product was born. What is product? Well, inside you're going to get this, this, and this, including, you know, whatever it is. And, and we already wrote that out on the brief. So that part's all done. And then it's the formulaic stuff of, uh, you know, building up the value, dismissing alternatives, um, kind of, talking about urgency or scarcity, if that's all, you know, legit for it, uh, and then telling them to buy. And so having that outline, that's why the C is important. But the nice thing about it is as you're writing your copy, if you do RM and B, you've actually done like 80% of your work. Cause you, again, you, you basically, you're just following a checklist now when you write your copy, but you have all the answers from those other documents. And then that's what allows you to write really good copy and like you know, a day or two when most writers take like three weeks or a month or two months or whatever. And that, that, so I did that for myself. I realized that I was a process created it, used it to start writing 12 sales letters a month for these people as they scale to a hundred million um, a year. Then I did it for my health supplement stuff. Then I taught it. I will hired other people and trained them on it and it worked for them. I taught it at that copy intensive I did. Um, and then I started teaching it for copy accelerator and, now I have a course, the RMBC method where I teach it. It's just like a standalone course, but it's a methodology that has gotten people really outsized results. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's all because it just makes it really accessible and less overwhelming. Because when people go to write copy and this is a big blank page, right? It's like, you feel intimidated. You're like, where do I start? But when you have everything already kind of done by the time you start to write, 
becomes a lot easier to write your copy. Yeah, absolutely. Is this something that you, I mean, who do you have any like mentors or people that taught you copy Stefan or is this something you just picked up naturally? No, hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely have some mentors. So, um, I mean, the first one would be like my wife, because uh, I, you know, met her. When I met you in Barcelona, we were her and I were on like a, a break or whatever. Um, but and we broke up a few times before we kind of realized that I was a fool and married her. Um, but you know, she was the first person to tell me what copywriting was, and um, you know, she kind of encouraged me to to become a copywriter. So. She was a first mentor. Then a guy named uh, Yi, Y-I, uh, he hired me off a site called Warrior Forum in late 2013, like October, let's say of 2013. And I was charging like $497 for a sales letter at that point. And he sent me $1,000 and he said, hey, just make it really good. But also, by the way, I'm here to talk if you want help you know, and, and need resources. And so I kind of felt like uh, ambivalent about that because a lot of times you don't want those, you know, I didn't want a micromanager. Um, but he just paid me, you know, double what anyone else paid me. So I'm like, I should probably reach out to this guy. And he started giving me all these resources. Like here's other sales copy to study. Like, look at this, notice this, here's dissected copy. So he started providing that to me. He moved, um, and started working with a guy, Tryon Sava or Savion in um, the survival space. And they brought me over and then they both started giving me resources and helping to train me the ones who told me about like a mechanism in general and what that was, they're the ones who kind of pointed out that sales copy followed a similar structure. Um, so they helped me a lot. And then that same guy, he then moved to like a, the publishing, the remaining publishing company. And I came along with him for that. Uh, so I owe a ton of, of, of it to him. He really, they invested in me and gave me a ton of opportunities and I'll, just, I'll definitely forever be grateful for that. Nice. How cool. I do want to talk about your, you guys did a million dollars in a day with your 900 person. I think it was Justin's 900 person list and then a thousand person Facebook group. Yeah. Um, was this, this was after you guys already established a community, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then this was the first event for the community, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, can you run through the, the process that you guys set up to, for that event and then like what you decided the copy would look like and then how often you would send it out. So other people that are creating events, even if they want to do a hundred thousand dollars in a day or, or whatever could use a system like that. And I have a feeling like you've overlapped and touched on a few of those points already, but maybe if you could just run it, run it out in a straight scenario. So the listeners could put it all together in one spot. Yeah. hundred percent. I think one of, so, and so the million dollars in a day was, was like from stage at the event. I'll kind of start from the end and then work backwards. But, um, you know, so we pitching to join our mastermind, which was about, uh, like 30,000. And then, um, we had, I don't know, 30 people join, right. So it's like 900,000, but then we also had, uh, an offer for like, uh, doing like some a higher ticket thing, like for a six figure offer where we would help write copy, um, which we had someone take us up on. And then we had some sponsorship come. So it was like a little, ended up being a bit over a million dollars from basically that one day and mostly from that single kind of pitch to join the mastermind from the stage. Um, and that pitch itself was really like a sales letter. So it was a long pitch. Like I did another pitch in our event in February that was maybe a quarter of the time. Uh, cause I was kind of maybe overkill, but I actually followed the RMBC method a lot for that pitch. Um, but how did we get to that point? Why were we able to do that? So, you know, it started with having a good community already and getting people results because we did have, you know, reputation that this mastermind was, was 
valuable and effective and that people who joined it were, you know, seeing success and we both had reputations as being good marketers. So um, then for the, that event, which was in Austin, September of 2019, we decided to start promoting it. We had a good sales letter for it, like written up and it started with uh, Justin sending to his email list and telling his email list about it and finding different angles, talking about why you should attend, why you should buy a ticket, uh, sharing member success stories, and then profiling the speakers as well. Like, you know, the different people who are going to be talking at it. And I was doing the same thing on Facebook and in our Facebook group, Justin and Stefan talk copy. I was doing these long posts, sharing everything from, well, everything I just said, but also my own experiences, how, you know, going to masterminds changed my lives, the network, the community. So we were just posting pretty regularly. We really hit the emails hard for maybe 10 days, two weeks where he emailed his list a bunch about it. And I posted a lot about it. And then we uh, mostly kind of paused at that point because we still had maybe a month before the event. But at that point, we'd already sold a ton of tickets. I think we sold like a hundred or so tickets, which I think we're charging 2000 per ticket. So that alone was great, right? Um, oh, we also did, and we, we really had a lot of success with this, is doing like webinars. And, and so they're not like super orchestrated. It's just like we do Zoom calls. We're like, hey, we're going to do a call on how to get more clients as a freelancer or uh, how to five like common mistakes that you're making when you write a headline that could be costing you money and what to do instead. So we'll do these calls where we, you know, promote it to his list, the Facebook group, and then I will, um, you know, we, it's a ton of value. We'll just provide a ton of value, uh, teach and train on it. And then at the end, you know, we'll, we'll pitch buying a ticket to the event and we'll talk about why they should attend. So, you know, we did that, but that was promoted through the email list and through the Facebook group. Um, one thing to note on that is, and, and this is relevant for what I do today is Justin's email list is, um, at the time it was whatever it was like 900 people, but he had an application process, which I have for my list as well. I just completely stole it from him. And, um, basically, so even though it was 900 people, it was 900 very qualified people. It was like lar owners of large direct response companies, like uh, copywriters, you know, business owners, like people who were very um, qualified and receptive to an offer like we were going to make. So when I kind of was doing a presentation on email marketing back in, I don't know when it was, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, uh, but I, maybe six months ago, I don't know. But I was looking at, uh, I'm like, hey, can you show me like examples of some of your open rates? And he sent me like a screenshot of all the open rates and his uh, like Mero posts from when he was promoting it. And even though he was promoting to his list every single day for the event for like, 14 days, his open rates were like 70%, 75%. Yeah. And the reason why is because it's a small list that, you know, was just really engaged. He most of the time doesn't promote stuff. He's just providing a ton of value. And uh, even when he was promoting it, he was providing value in the promotions, right? It wasn't just, hey, like, got an event, buy a ticket yet? Hurry now. Like, you know, tickets are running out. It was, let me tell you a story about when I started out. It was like storytelling, right? And the mistakes he'd made and lessons he'd learned and then tying that into the event and kind of like, positioning this event as the place where, you know, you can go to shortcut making those mistakes or where you can learn these cool breakthroughs. And I was doing the same thing with the Facebook posts. And so even though we hit the, his list hard and our group hard, like nobody was like opting out or unsubscribing or leaving the group because uh, we were still providing so much value. So that was really the foundation was just getting, you know, those hundred plus tickets sold. Um, and then we had our current mastermind members and they got to come for free as part of their membership. Uh, so they came as well. Uh, but one thing we did, we priced the ticket at 
what the monthly cost was, like the cost was for a month of uh, membership in the mastermind. And then for everyone who bought a ticket, we basically a month before the event, we enrolled everyone who bought a ticket into the mastermind, which was a big decision. Cause you're like, well, is this going to make, um, you know, our current members like pissed off or whatever. And, uh, but it was totally fine. Our members didn't mind at all. Cause we'd built enough trust and, and kind of given them enough value. So now everyone who bought a ticket is like basically in the mastermind for a month leading up to the live event. And that I think is a, is a huge, 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 huge thing because then they're seeing the value they can post cop. Cause inside the Facebook group we have, um, there's the weekly trainings. We have a Facebook group where full members can get live feedback. They can, they can, well, not live, but pretty fast feedback. So they can post whatever they're working on, like a sales letter and add a Facebook ad and advertorial and, you know, share like, Hey, uh, can I, can you guys look at this and let us, you know, let me know if there's anything I should change. And then Justin or myself will go in, we'll leave comments. I shoot a lot of, uh, loom videos where I'll dissect it. We'll be like, Hey, try this headline. And that's one of the reasons why the mastermind is now capped and there's a waiting list because, I enjoy doing that, but it's very intensive, right? So we can't really have more people. We have, again, a light version. In the light version, you don't get that feedback. Uh, but for all these people who bought tickets, suddenly they're in this Facebook group. They're seeing all these members sharing all these wins. They're seeing us sharing, providing feedback and, and helping people to move the needle for people. Then they are posting their copy and we're helping them and they're getting wins before they even showed up at the event. Uh, and then they get to the event and the event, you know, we, we really went uh, high end. I really try to go high end with anything I do. So we had you know, an open bar happy hour thing the first night. And it was like, you know, 200 plus, um, just like high level marketers. We were facilitating connections for people, helping them to meet one another. And then at the actual two days of the events was at the Fairmont in Austin. We had, you know, lunch provided for everybody, uh, for the members, we had like a dinner for them. And, um, we didn't know, I mean, we didn't, we, we kind of didn't know what we were doing, but we kind of had enough of the high, nice things like sort of taken care of, uh, that when it came time to make this pitch and it's like, okay, well, they've been, they've been hearing about the mastermind already and hearing how good it is. And then they've been in the group. They've, a lot of them have already gotten wins that paid for the mastermind. Like people said that after the fact, they're like, I'd already paid for like a year's membership in the mastermind before I showed up in Austin. Cause we'd given them some kind of tweak or feedback or whatever it was. Uh, then they're at this really high end event. They're making all these friends They're connecting. If they're freelancers, they're getting clients. Uh, they're being like wine and dine. We're treating them like royalty, which they are to us. So yeah, by the time it comes to make this pitch, which isn't a very compelling pitch of why, you know, if you want to really scale an offer or write offers that can kind of scale and, and, um, you know, build like funnels that can scale, like you need to be in this mastermind. Uh, it was a pretty, you know, decent no brainer. I mean, the cost is, it was kind of tough and prohibitive for some people, but, uh, you know, to have basically about a 30% conversion rate, maybe using a little bit higher than that for the first time I'd ever pitched from stage in my life. It was the first I ever pitched, ever pitched from stage and to, you know, have like basically book a million dollars and kind of new memberships and everything. It was, it was a pretty, pretty awesome experience and a pretty big win. sounds like a great blog post or podcast, man. I know. First I time probably, pitching I on stage. Right right? <laughs> it's seven figures, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder like, you know, uh, if you, are you a part of a, a mastermind, uh, now currently that's outside of your regular mastermind? Cause I always wondered the guys that are running communities, I've never found like a mastermind for all the people running communities. I think that's a really interesting idea. Have you ever heard of one? I think Vince Del Monte is apparently going to do something that's like a mastermind about masterminds maybe i think i just heard that <laughs> mastermind for mastermind yeah mastermind, mastermind. <laughs> but uh but i am in masterminds and like, like i mentioned and alluded to ed o'keefe so i mean I, I think going to masterminds changed my life so many of the people that i do business with that i know that i have relationships with a lot of people in copy accelerator 
people who came to my copy intensive, like they were also all people I met through masterminds. Um, so I've been in a ton. Sometimes I've been in too many and spread myself too thin. Uh, currently though, I'm in Joel Marion and Dan Fleischman's hundred million mastermind thing, which is, we did one live event, which was pretty cool. And then COVID happened and that mastermind is a hundred thousand a year. So it's like, I've only been to one event. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to renew. Cause you know, it's like, yeah, like, um, that's a lot of money for no events, but but the caliber was cool, right? It's like they had um, the dude from The Prophet came and talked to us. Mark Wahlberg came and talked to us. Magic Johnson came and talked to us. Um, Chris Jenner came and talked to us. So it was like, you know, you got access to some pretty high-level people and they created cool experiences and, and all of that. Um, and I don't think it's fair to... I can't really even give you a you know a critique of that mastermind because one event is so unfair because, you know, they were going to do three and you know they're going to kind of keep dialing it in and, and taking feedback. So... But yeah, that one, I'm in Neil Patel's mastermind, which I was, I just joined and then he had an event coming up like a month later in the Bay area. And I was gonna, I was really excited to do that. I met Neil at, um, the hundred million thing. Cause he was one of the speakers as well. So then I joined his mastermind and then it got canceled because of COVID. And so, um, but, but I'm always in a couple of masterminds and like, I just think the values there and, um, I owe a lot of my success to them. So, uh, yeah, which I think is a, a, an important point though, for people who want to put on masterminds and stuff, I think. You, you know, totally should um, if you are serving a unique need or hole or whatever in the market. But I think you should also be in masterminds too. Because if you don't know what they're supposed to look like and you just sort of try to wing it, I think it can be messy. I think the reason why my event in Vegas, the copy intensive I did, uh, went so well is because of Ed O'Keefe's mastermind. And Ed O'Keefe, to his credit, was really, um, or is, I don't know if he still runs masterminds or not, but it was like, I didn't know because it was my first mastermind, but you'd see people at every one of the events being like who, who came for their first time, but they were in other masterminds talking about how the inclusiveness, the openness, the willingness to share, like that was about more than just like numbers. Like he did all these things. Right. And I'm so thankful that that's the first mastermind I went to. Cause then I'm like, Oh, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, and then, you know, if I'd been to some cheap asses mastermind where it was everyone just sort of giving their crappiest advice and, you know, being really guarded and uh, maybe I'd have a totally different mindset. So I give out Ed O'Keefe a lot of credit for that. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, I think we're over an hour, so why don't we just wrap it up there? Like, we've got a lot of good content here, man. I really appreciate everything that you've shared. Any final tips before we wrap everything up? Well, what do you think your listeners most want to most want tips on? I know you've got a wide range of listeners, but what do you think would be? I you know I love giving out wisdom, and hopefully it's it's good wisdom. But you know, we did have some people mention. Um, well, kind of the process of dialing and optimizing uh, sales letters, cold traffic sales letters, but also like um, choosing between a VSL and text sales letter as well. Yeah. I mean, from an optimization standpoint, the biggest things you can do are really your headline and your lead or your intro because, you know, it's the first thing people see. So you've got the most eyeballs on it. So that's where you have the biggest opportunity to keep eyeballs on your page versus losing them. So really, even from feedback perspective for Copy Accelerator, if, when people in our mastermind ask for feedback, I spend 90% of my feedback is on the, the headline and like the lead. Uh, and then I'll kind of scroll through the rest of it and make sure there's nothing glaring. Uh, but you know, you can be forgiven a lot of sins because once someone's invested for a few minutes, cause like you had a great lead. Um, then if you kind of go off the rails a little bit, it's better not to. Right. But if you do, they're going to be more indulgent of that. If they're already kind of like, feel like they're, they're invested you know, emotionally, mentally, or if they're time. Um, so that's the biggest thing on pages, the question of, uh, text sales letters versus video sales letters. 
I personally almost always do text sales letters. I think that the one caveat there, I think native generally video sales letters do better for whatever reason. I, I say, I think, but I mean, I've just the data told me that for years, but for example, with Facebook text sales letters are great. People love to scroll and on mobile generally text sales letters do better than video sales letters. Cause it's just hard to watch it. Like a, especially if a long video, it's like 20 minutes long, 40 minutes long. Like people aren't going to sit there and watch it. But if you have a, a text letter and they'll scroll through it and kind of read and, and look at stuff. Um, so there's no magic answer. You know, like I, I, I've written some stuff for the guys at V shred and Scott nation who are, I don't know what they're gonna do this year, like 200 million plus and I've written some of their top offers and they only do VSLs. So, you know, it works pretty well for them. They're <laughs> 200 million a year. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think just if it's good copy, you know, you can experiment. I think it's easier to start off a text sales letter and then, you know, if you want to test the video sales letter, once your offer is, is up and running and you're making sales, uh, then it makes sense to do it at that point. Uh, I definitely don't think you need to go out the gate, spend a bunch of money on some highly produced like video sales letter. And cause that's so, what if your offer doesn't work, right? What if you are selling the wrong way? What if it's the wrong product for the wrong market? What if your lead needs to be changed, right? Why invest all that time, energy, effort, and money when it's written for testing alone, right? Optimizing, if it's like written then you just rewrite a few sentences, it's very easy to change that and you can start, you know, getting like feedback and split testing like the same day. But for video, it's very unlikely you're going to do that. So it's going to slow everything down. So for that reason alone, I just prefer text sales letters. When you, when you get um, ready to write copy yourself uh, now or in the past, did you have a, a routine or ritual to, to help you get in the right state of mind? I think the biggest thing for me is shutting everything else off, shutting everything down. Um, I, like I wrote yesterday and what I, what I did is, and I, I, there's, there's resistance. I was thinking about this. So here's a totally true thing. I've never really talked about publicly, but since I was first writing copy in 2012 to today, there's almost always a point for every single letter I write for somebody else where I fantasize about giving them the money back and not writing it. Every fucking letter, every letter. Yeah. yeah it happened yesterday. I'm like, I'm like, why am I, I can just give this guy. Cause like, you know, I just bought a house in San Diego and the guy I wrote for in the past and he's a cool dude. And you know, it's like, I can charge like 50 grand a letter now. And yeah, yeah. I'm like a millionaire. Great. But like, turns out even you're a millionaire and someone's gonna be $50,000 for a day or two of work. You're like, yeah, I'll probably take that. Right. Um, I'm very selective. I don't actually always take it, but in this case, I just put like $650,000 down for a house. I'm paying taxes and all that. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let me do this. I hope I can cuss <laughs> on your, uh, your podcast. You're right. You're um, right. but you know, but then I'm just sitting there and I'm like, why am I doing it? I want to do this and that. So there is a headspace issue and there's, there's a mental thing of, of, of a, a reframing and shifting. And then the way I really thought about it yesterday is because I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, I have an email list, I run the mastermind, I'm starting a publishing company, I'm doing a freelancing course, I'm doing all of this stuff. And I'm getting, and because I'm, I'm putting myself out there so much, I get, honest to God, like probably 200 Facebook notifications a day, 50, 100 LinkedIn notifications a day, if not more, I get like hundreds of emails a day. And I'm trying to respond to people and it's great. So, and I know I can't do that while I'm writing. So I'm like, this is my opportunity to just close everything down. I'll have like a blank, you know, Chrome tab that doesn't have, not with Facebook, but just whatever. So I have to do research and like a white, a blank word document to start kind of going through RMBC. And I'm like, now I get to just like sit here and my daughter is napping. So I'm like, cause I'm working at home cause of COVID. And I'm like, this is, I get to sit here in silence and just think and pursue like interesting ideas and be creative and with no distractions for the next several hours. And I can just like really immerse myself in that. And as soon as I had that kind of reframe or, or shift, it's like, I got through 
I already had some of the research done, but I basically, and I basically got through a ton of stuff. Like I got a bunch of work done for it. I feel great about it. I love my headline, my big ideas, my hook, like all of this stuff. And, um, and that's the, a trend for that is really as simple as it sounds is like just shutting out all distractions and being like, this is the one thing that I'm focused on right now. Cause so many of us say that, but then we have Skype open or we have Facebook up and then you start to type and then ding, ding, you know, like notifications, things are popping like Slack. I use Slack, the Slack desktop notifications. I would never in a million years enable those every single time you do a new instance of Slack and they push you so hard to like do the data. I'm like F that. Cause I'll talk to people on like a zoom call and you hear that little clicking sounds like tit, tit, tit. I'm like, that was going on all the time. I have ADD. I take Adderall, but I, even my Adderall, it's a small dosage. Um, I'm like, I don't need that in my life if I'm trying to write a sales letter. Uh, so the biggest advice I can give people on, on that is seriously just, and I, this is true of anything, any deep work, right? Like doing deep work. It's like, just get rid of all of the distractions and just enjoy, relish the fact that you get to sit and sort of be still and focus on one thing. Focus is, is such a rare commodity these days. There's so many things competing for our attentiveness to just be able to actually sit and do that. Like if you can just appreciate it, uh, then I think it really helps you to, to get through those tasks and actually enjoy them. Uh, and, and I've kind of, that's been that way for a long time for me. Do you have a regular time that you do deep work throughout the day? Typically in the mornings, uh, I typically try to keep from like eight to 11 open. It doesn't always work as I've gotten busier and all that, but I really try to, to keep that, those windows open um, as much as possible. Nice. Well, man, that's been a fantastic show. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you guys have going on, where's the best place they can do that at, Stefan? Yeah. Well, and thank you for having me, by the way. This has been awesome and fun to catch up. And it's definitely one of those things where I do feel like I there's so much more I want to talk to you about. I But I, I know, you know, maybe we'll do a part two sometime. Um, we'll do a part two would, for sure. I'd love to. But yeah, <laughs> yeah the best, best thing is probably to get my email list. Um, if you go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe uh, from that email list, you'll see I'm putting out content on YouTube very regularly. I have uh, kind of my own podcast that's based on a call and radio show thing I do weekly. Um, but, but basically I link to all my content through my email list and through my daily email. So if you want to kind of the fastest, best way to sort of choose your own adventure, start on the email list. And then uh, plus I'm writing really valuable emails every day too. So yeah. That's the email list you apply to be on, correct? You, you do apply, but I, I'll say this: like, right, just give me like real answers. Like, I don't, I don't care who you are. As in, I don't care if you're a nine-figure marketer or you're like a dude. Like, I have sixteen-year-old kid in India who's like never made a sale in his life. Which I have a ton of kids in India and Pakistan and all that. Like, I fucking love them. Um, so I don't care about any of that. I just want you to. I get really personal. Like, I talk about real numbers. I talk about what businesses are earning or losing. I talk about if I'm struggling with like an issue in my life, I'll write about depression. Like I'll be really real and authentic, right? Going back to the emotional response stuff, which we can do in part two and more depth, but that's actually a huge part of what I focus on today. And um, so you, if I'm like, tell me a little bit more about yourself, you know, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Like I had a girl in Brazil yesterday or two days ago and she just said, really question mark. And I was like, yep, you're not going on my list. Cause like, if I'm going to share all this with you, then like, you know, and you can't you take five seconds to say, well, I'm an aspiring marketer. I'm in Brazil and I'm hoping to do this and that. Like, that's it. That's all I need. So for your, you know, your audience and, and people who apply, like, I'm not saying you have to write me a novel and I'm not saying you have to, I don't, again, I don't care where you're at. Just, you know, give me a little bit of info so I know who you are. I actually read every application uh, before and then manually approve people to my list because I'm not, you know, I, I want to 
create real relationships with people and not uh, just have a big list, like vanity metric list, right? I'm not trying to have that kind of a big number, but it doesn't mean anything. I love that means a lot. Like I, I think that um, people just undervalue the importance of creating a list that's that you're really connected to, like you guys have, as opposed to just trying to get a hundred thousand people on your email list, you know, where the open rates are like 1.7%. Yeah. You know, and, uh, half the people just, you know, your, your emails are going to spam. So you're creating like really good connections. So again, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed catching up with you and, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.